I just finished teaching a series on, um, I, I'm a Bible study teacher, so I teach every Wednesday morning in the fall and the, and the spring. But last, um, let's see, what is this? This is, what, what month is this? <laughs> I'm still waking up this morning. This year, this new year, the, the Father led me to teach a Facebook Live Bible study. First time I ever did it, and I've been teaching Bible study for 25 years. And, um, but anyhow, I began to reach a whole lot more people on Facebook Live. You know, there's a lot of people there on Facebook. Do you know there's like how many? Pastor Al, do you know how many people on Facebook? Billions? <laughs> I don't know the whole wide world's on Facebook. Are you on Facebook? <laughs> Anyways, I started teaching this series called Lies Religion Taught Me and the Truth That Set Me Free. And it's been so wonderful because of the responses that I've gotten because religion, I grew up for 20 years in a denomination, and the teaching that I got when I grew up made me not feel endeared to my father. I didn't know him really, you know? I thought that I needed to do things to make him happy. I thought I needed to qualify for his blessings. I thought I had to earn what Jesus already paid for me. And I went to church for 20 years not having a love relationship with my Heavenly Father because I didn't really know him. Religion had blinded me. Do you know religion is it's man-made, and, you know, uh, one of the things it has done is it's divided us into 40,000 different denominations. 40,000 different perceptions of God. Wow. Yeah, let's just think about that for a minute. Religion divides us, but Jesus made us he made us one because he made us one with him. And really the only one, if you want to know the Father, who do you look to? Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to know the Father, look to me. He came. I love John 1.17. It says that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came so that we might know him. See, the law blurred us. It, it was like a veil over our eyes. And the law made us think that God was this angry, judgmental, mean God. And it wasn't true. That wasn't the truth about the Father. See, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So if you want to know the truth about your daddy, about your father, if you want to know the truth, you got to look to Jesus. He revealed the heart of our father to us. It's amazing to me because people want to take, and, and I love the word of God. So when I say this, don't please don't get me wrong. I love the word of God. I live by the word of God. I teach by the word of God. And you're not going to convince me of anything that's not in the word of God. So I believe this Bible, okay? But people take scriptures out of this Bible and deceive us. Just like the devil took the scriptures and tried to deceive Jesus. Okay? So I recently um, was teaching about what religion taught me about God's judgment toward unbelievers. Because honestly, I've been living in grace for 25 years, but I honestly thought the Father had a different view of me than he did somebody who didn't believe in him. I really did think that. And it did, I mean, I didn't think about it very much because I was safe over here in Jesus, you know. And he didn't judge or condemn me. Or he was never angry at me, right? I wasn't sure about them. I mean, really. I'm just being really honest, okay? But I came across the scripture in the, in the Bible. <laughs> John 5, 22. And Jesus said it. And he's actually talking to the religious leaders of his day. And, he said, and he's, he's telling them, listen to me. I'm here to tell you the truth. 
I'm here to, and even the father validated Jesus and said, this is my son, listen to him. Do you remember that story, the Mount um, Transfiguration? Moses was there and Elijah was there and Jesus was there and the father spoke. And he said, this is the one who's going to tell you who I am. Listen to him. And guess what happened to Moses and Elijah? They just disappeared. And only one standing there was Jesus, because he was the one to come to reveal the Father. If you want to know who I am, the Father says, if you want to know how much I love you, if you want to really see who I really am, listen to my son, because he's going to tell you. And if you'll listen to him, you'll know how much I love you. You'll know who I really, really am. And so, in John 5, 22, Jesus said, The Father judges no one. <laughs> the Father judges no one. Jesus said it. The Father judges no one. He has left all judgment to me. That's what Jesus said in, in John 5, 22. And then you know what Jesus said? And a little bit farther down, he said, don't you, in John 5, uh, I think it's 45, he said, or 47, somewhere in there, he said, don't you even put it in your minds. Don't you even think for a moment that I will accuse you before my father, for it is the law that accuses you. I came to set you free. Jesus said, and he's talking, okay, I'm getting way off what I was getting ready to teach this morning, but this is going to be good, all right? Right after the woman caught in adultery was thrown into the middle of the courtroom scene, and there was two sides in this courtroom. One was the law, the Pharisees, they had the law in their hand. The other one, on the other side was who? Was Jesus. See, he's not on the side of the law, and neither is the Father. Now, I know that's hard to understand because you're like, well, the Father made the law. You know what I'm saying? He's the one that wrote the law. But guess what? It was never his intention. That was not what he wanted. The people said, tell us what to do. Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. And the Father wanted to show the people that they could never find their life in what they did. So when he showed them what righteousness, righteousness looked like by the law, we could see that we could never be righteous by the law so we could actually come and find life in the identity that our Father gave us for free. Because the Bible says before the foundation, <clears throat> God chose us and loved us before the foundation of the world in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This was his plan before the foundation of the world, before you or me were ever created. His plan and his declaration was, I chose you because I love, wanted to love you. I chose you to be holy and without fault in my eyes. And then Adam and Eve went outside of that love and they, they took and tried to find their identity outside of what the Father had spoken over them. What did the Father say? You're good, so very good. I approve of you completely. They went outside of their Father's identity. And guess what that law, the law, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented? The law. It represented the law. And the Father said, don't eat from it. Don't live. No, don't try to live by that tree. Don't do it because if you do, you will surely die. He didn't say, I will kill you. And that's what religion has taught. Religion says, if you don't obey the, you know, if you go and do, don't do what God, you know, don't do what God tells you to do. He's going to kill you. <laughs> he's going to punish you. You're going to die and God's going to be the one to do it. I mean, you know what? Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm not the only one that thought, you know, God's going to burn, you know, everybody up. That's terrible, right? But really, Jesus said, it's not me who's going to judge you. It's not me who's going to accuse you. It's the law of Moses. In other words, all mankind was under condemnation from, what, from sin. It was the law of sin and death. And the law is what condemns us. The scripture says the law condemns but the Spirit gives 
life. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And yet religion has put God as this bad, evil person who bring, bring out the law just so he could whip us when we do bad. And that's not who our father is at all. And right after the woman caught in adultery, uh, you know, was in the courtroom and the, and the law was condemning her and the people were saying, the law says, again, God wrote the law, right? The law says this woman deserves judgment. But what do you say, truth? What do you say, the one that reveals who the father is? What do you say? the voice of righteousness? What do you say, the voice of grace? What do you say? Hear him. You want to know what your father, who your father's like? You want to know the love of the father? Look at what Jesus did in the middle of that courtroom and what the woman caught in the very act of adultery. She wasn't begging for forgiveness. The story doesn't say she was sitting there begging for forgiveness. It says she was sitting there waiting for judgment. She was waiting for the to come down on top of her head because she knew she was guilty and she knew she deserved it. So she was just waiting for the stones to start throwing. But our Jesus... Woo! Perfect love was in the courtroom that day. Perfect love. Come on now. Our daddy was in the courtroom that day. And I'm telling you what, religion has told us, told me, maybe he's told you too, that Jesus is, is the good guy. And dad, daddy's, I mean, father's the bad guy, and Jesus is kind of shielding us. Okay, I got you. Daddy's not going to spank you anymore. I got you. That is, that's a lie. Jesus is the very face of the Father. He's the very hands of the Father. He's the voice of the Father. He was the Father in the courtroom that day. Woo! Glory! This gospel is so powerful. It's about a love so great that has the power to set the free. Those who are captive by their failure, those who are caught in the condemnation of their sin. This gospel is about perfect love coming to rescue every one of us from an identity that tells us you're bad, you're guilty, you deserve punishment. Jesus came to save us. And he showed us in that story of the woman caught in adultery that the law came to condemn, but he came to save. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. Our Father, our good, good Father, dearly loved and greatly prized the world. The, do you know what the world is? Every last human every last evil person every last act evil person who's acted as bad as you can imagine them acting our daddy our father sent Jesus to show that evil person that they were dearly loved and greatly prized and to set them free from the condemnation of their sin, because that was what was condemning them, not the Father. Wow. I'm telling you what, this revelation is going down deep. In the courtroom that day, the Pharisees were ready to stone that woman. And Jesus said, I love it. I love Jesus, don't you? And I love the Father, don't you? Because they're one. And Jesus said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. How many of them had a stone in their hand? None. Because every one of us have, have sinned. Every one of us have failed. And I love telling this part of the story. You, me and you, we're not qualified to judge each other. 
Right there, Jesus said, I'm the only one that qualifies to judge any human being that has done bad. I'm the one. None of you are qualified for that. <laughs> so uh, the, the position of judge has been filled, and there's no need for you to apply for it. Yeah. Because the, the final judge is perfect love. And he looked at that woman caught in the very act of adultery, Jesus, the eyes of perfect love. And he said, where are your accusers? He silenced the accusers. Where are your accusers? And the woman said, there's none here, Lord. And he looked at her and he said, I don't condemn you either. I don't judge you either. Wow. And that judgment. See, we think judgment's bad, don't we? When we hear the word judgment, we think, oh, that's punishment. That's, that's a really bad word. But when you're judged innocent, when you're judged not guilty, when you're judged righteous, when you're judged blameless and faultless and loved and favored by the king of kings, that's freedom. And our daddy, he's a righteous judge. He always judges righteously. And even the person caught in the middle of the worst sin you can imagine, our Jesus, our Father, looks at them and says, I do not condemn you. And our Jesus and our Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let that sink down. I'm telling you, condemnation, the whole world's under it. And the only salvation is Jesus. The only salvation is believing in the sacrifice that Jesus made to deliver us from the condemnation of the law. He's not the one condemning. He's the one saving Somebody, somebody out there. Amen. Whoo, glory. So my message today <laughs> is about really, this is what I came to share with you. I'm going to do it in 26 minutes and it's going to be a miracle. But my message today was about the sweet sound of correction. Because I want you to understand, as the Lord has taught me and showed me in my walk with him, that a good daddy, a good father, corrects the one he loves. But because of our upbringing, because of our background and what discipline or correction looks like, we fear it. We're ashamed in, in that situation. We don't want to be corrected because we're ashamed. But our good father never shames us. He never condemns us, just like I showed you in that courtroom. Never. What, did she act badly? Yes. Jesus actually demonstrated the correction of the father in that courtroom scene. And it was correcting the belief of that woman's heart. See, when Jesus looked at her and called her woman, woman is, when you look that word up, in your Vines Dictionary, you know, Bible Dictionary, it's a term of endearment. It's a term that is one that has, is, shows honor and respect. Now, does religion show honor, respect, or endearment to a woman who's just been caught in adultery? No, it does not. Religion, judge, 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 judge. Condemn, condemn, condemn. Accuse, 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 accuse. Right? Right. Not Jesus. Not our Father. He was correcting that woman that day. Come on, somebody. But it wasn't with punishment. It was by correcting the belief of her heart. She believed something about herself that caused her to live a life of adultery. And that belief needed to be corrected so she could be free. 
And when the, fa- when the father and the son in agreement said, we do not condemn you. You are not condemned. Woman, you're endeared to us. We love you. The, Jesus, the father was saying, I love you. You are dearly prized and greatly loved. We do not sentence you. We do not accuse you. We do not condemn you. You are loved. They were correcting the belief of her heart. Woo! Larry, this is coming through loud and clear. And that belief, when we choose to believe that we're greatly loved, dearly prized, endeared to our daddy's heart, when we choose to believe in the middle of our mess, in the middle of us, you know, just having a fight with our husband or being grouchy with our kids or, or you know, telling a lie to somebody or, you know, getting caught up in an addiction that we have, in the middle of that failure to remember that you are loved to let the father correct the belief of your heart because what it is it's a case of mistaken identity when you find yourself in a bad in bad behavior or in a cycle of bad behavior it's simply a case of mistaken identity and the father is coming to you to tell you your dear remember you're, 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 I don't condemn you. I don't accuse you. I don't sentence you. See, the correction of our good father is to lift the condemnation off of you. See, when we were growing up as kids, it was always a shameful thing. Shame on you. You shouldn't act that way. You're bad. You're hateful. You know, we hear these, we hear these identity words spoken over us, and we're like, oh, gosh, I am bad. I am a bad person. And so we stay in the vicious cycle of bad behavior because we don't know who we are. But that is not how our Father corrects us. It's not how he disciplines us. See, the word discipline in our minds is punishment. But in the Father's, it's correcting the belief of your heart about who you are. Oh, it's such, it's so good. Because when you understand this, when you fail, you won't run from God. You will run to him. Because he's the only one who will never change his view and opinion of you as good and holy and righteous. He will only remind you in your deepest, darkest failure that you are loved that you are righteous because of Jesus. Your identity is not based on your behavior, good or bad. See, if your identity is in your goodness, you'll be self-righteous. If your identity is in your badness, you'll be condemned. But if your identity is in Christ, you'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll run to him because you'll want to hear one more time how beautiful you are, how lovely you are, how there's nothing wrong with you. Song of Songs 4-7, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. And I hear my Savior say it. I hear my Father say it to me all the time. It's like a well of life springing forth in my heart all the time. How beautiful you are, Connie. I see no flaw in you. There's nothing at all wrong with you in the middle of my mistake, in the middle of my failure. When I've had a bad day, I run to my father, my good, good father. You're good, our good, good father. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're one big happy love family. And we run to our father and we just to hear him say one more. See, I used to run from him. I didn't know him. But I do now. I know he's a good father. And he'll never condemn me. He'll never shame me. He'll never tell me how bad I am. He will always tell us how good we are, even in the middle of our mistake, just like the woman caught 
in adultery. If you ever, I mean, you listen to this message, you're like, I don't know about that, Connie. Think about that story. I'm not making this up. This is not my theology or my doctrine. I took it right out of the word of God. It is a courtroom scene of a woman who caught in a really bad sin, and Jesus and the Father corrected her with love. Not with shame, not with condemnation, with love, not with punishment, not with burning her up. Come on now. Let's really see our Father for who he is. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're going to read a scripture here. Now, this scripture, this passage of scripture, has been one where people have used, religion has used it. He scourges us. He, you know, you know that's the correction scripture, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 5 through 12. I didn't used to like it. It says the Father scourges you, you know, when he disciplines you and punishes you. I mean, he uses these words. But you know how I know that that translation is not correct? Because Isaiah 54, 9 and 10, says this is the covenant I will make with you, says the Lord. (laughs) I swore I would not cover, you know, uh, flood the earth again. I swear I'll never be angry or punish you. I will own my covenant of peace will never be broken. My faithful love will never stop. I will only have compassion on you. That is his covenant to us. So that that means when you're in your deepest, darkest failure, he has compassion not punishment. And it was spoken by the king of kings himself. Again, this is not Connie's doctrine. I'm not making this up. You don't believe me? Look it up, Isaiah 54, 9 and 10. Can you put that scripture up there? I'm sorry. Okay, we'll go back to that. I can do this. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's listen to this. In the Passion Translation. Did you put it up in the Passion Translation? And have you forgotten his encouraging words? It is in the Passion. Listen to this beautiful passage of Scripture in the Passion Translation. Hebrews 12, 5 through 12. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? See, I could just stop for a minute just (laughs) soak in those encouraging words. (laughs) He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of of the discipline and training of the Lord God, or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Oh, hear these words. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. Or he, is doing what, or he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever hurt a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as, as validation of our authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Did you hear that? Life, come on, say it with me. Life-giving discipline. It didn't say condemning, did it? It said life-giving discipline. Woo! Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Now, I want to just point out a few things here. And the, first of all, our Father's discipline, correction, is always encouraging. Always encouraging. We know our Father's voice, okay? We're learning, right? 
to hear Jesus said, you know my voice. And the voice of a stranger you won't follow. Didn't he? We know our Father's voice. And his voice, during the time when we have acted badly or are dealing with something in our lives, is always encouraging. It's always to lift shame off of you. It's always to lift condemnation off of you by reminding you who you are. The Father is not correcting you by telling you how bad you are. He's reminding you of who you are. And the next part says his training is evidence of his faithful love. When he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. See, he's pleased with you. And I know some people are like, how can he be pleased with me? When I've just done something bad, it's because he does not identify you by your behavior. That's why he's pleased with you. He's pleased with you because of who you are. And you are one with Jesus. You are in Christ. And Christ is in you. That means you are his beloved son in whom he is fully pleased. He's always pleased with you because it's not based on your behavior. Let me tell you something. He's not more happy with you when you've given more or been kind more or loved more. He's not more pleased with you and he's not more displeased with you when you've acted impatient and angry and unforgiving. He is not the father whose emotions go up and down based on your behavior. He's the father who is steadfast and faithful. And even when you are faithless, he remains faithful. Even when you don't believe who you are, he's going to remind you who you are over and over and over again until your heart is fully persuaded that what your father says about you is true. Because when you believe that all your sins have been washed away as far as the east is from the west, when you believe that when the father said, I will remember your sins no more, that he didn't lie, he made a covenant with you. And he said, I will remember your sins no more. So it is not your sin he's dealing with when you've acted badly. It is the belief of your heart. He wants to correct how you see yourself because he loves you so, so much. And he sent his son for one reason, to save you from the condemnation and the shame and the guilt of your failures. That's why he sent his son. And because we have not known who our father really is in the face of Jesus Christ, most of his daughters and sons live in guilt and shame and condemnation every day of their life because they're still striving to please a father who is already fully pleased with them. Woo! I'm preaching good this morning. Woo! Oh, my goodness. Woo, it's good stuff. I'll tell you what. He's drawing you in. Listen, when you've acted badly, have any of you ever experienced growing up, go to your room. Go to your room. That's not what our good daddy does. That's not what your good father. I just spit all over. Did you see that? That's not what your good father does. You know what he does? He draws you to himself. And it proves that you are his delightful child. He says, come here, honey. Come here, son. Come here, daughter. Let me remind you one more time that everything about you is beautiful. And there is nothing at all wrong with you. That is not your identity. Don't you make the mistake of identifying yourself with what you just did. Because that's not who you are. Woo! 
this is good preaching. I'm telling you, you get this, and you're going to be, see, I call it the sweet sound of correction. See, I didn't always call it that. I was like, cool, like Adam and Eve, I got to go hide somewhere, you know, until I get my act together. But no, not anymore. No, 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 no. I have seen the, I have looked into the face of perfect love in the middle of my darkest mistake, in the middle of my biggest failure in my life. Perfect love looked to me, and he said, I do not condemn you. Connie, everything about you is beautiful, and there is nothing at all wrong with you. And you know what that did to me? It made me break down in a heap of tears, overwhelmed by a perfect love. Nobody's ever loved me like this. Nobody in my whole life has ever loved me like this. Nobody in my whole life has ever, never, (laughs) has ever looked at me 100% of the time in the middle of my failure and told me, I see no fault in you, not one person. And I have a lot of people that love me in this world. Not one of those people have 100% of the time looked at me and said, in the middle of my failure, I see no fault in you. You are not guilty. I do not condemn you because your identity is not attached to that behavior you just did. Oh my goodness, this is the most freeing message I've ever heard in my life. Freeze me every single time. I can remember. Let's see how many minutes do I have. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I can remember. I'm going to tell you the story. I can remember one of my, I mean, this was a huge, huge thing for me. You know, I, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, one of the areas that Jesus has healed in my life through the power of grace and understanding his love for me is my marriage. And uh, went from a, a place of, you know, just strife and fault finding and, and disappointment and discouragement and resentment. Y'all probably know what that feels like. Um, to peace and love. Okay? And so does that mean every day of our lives is like, you know, glory land? No doesn't mean that it just means that when I fail when my husband fails the the father comes and reminds me who we are who I am who he is because if I'm not guilty he's not guilty and if there's nothing wrong with me there's nothing wrong with him and if I'm righteous because of Jesus he's righteous because of Jesus and if I remember that then the resentment the unforgiveness just goes off like you know like a water off a duck's back right it's just like that's not who we are. And that gives us the power to love. See, when, you, when you're not condemned, you have the power to sin no more. <laughs> if you're condemned, you just stay in the cycle of, of sin. And that's what I did for many, many, many years of our marriage is I stayed in the cycle of condemnation because I believed I was bad because of my failures. Well, anyhow, grace set me free. And I began to walk in peace and love and joy in my relationship with my husband, began to enjoy him. And he began to enjoy me. We began to enjoy each other there. You know, peace began to come because we began to receive the correction of the father, which is the belief of our heart of who we were. Oh, isn't that good? Okay. So, but one day, one day, I remember I was getting ready to go preach this really powerful message, Bible study on Wednesday morning, right? And there was a discussion that broke out between me and my husband, and it didn't go well. And by the end of this discussion, we were yelling at each other. We were mad at each other. And I was getting ready to go teach Bible study. 
Now, I had just, you know, got myself all ready, was, had my makeup on, my clothes on. And after I got done with this big fight with my husband, I had tears running down my face. All the makeup was off my face, right? I just looked at him and said, look what you did to me. Look what you did to me. Blame shifting. Ooh, that feels good when you, don't take the, you don't, when you don't take the relief that comes from your identity in Christ. That's how you deal with uh, condemnation. You just blame shift it over to somebody else. Come on, somebody. But when you receive the correction of the Father, the condemnation is lifted off of you, so you don't have to put it anywhere else. <laughs> the blame is lifted off of you. The fault is lifted off of you because that's not who you are, so you don't have to put it on anybody else. I just gave you some really good marriage counseling right there. Anyways, but this particular day, I was, you know, we were having our big fight, and, and so I looked at him, and I blamed him. Look what you did to me. I ran in my room. I lay on my bed. I was on the bed of Sheol. You know what that is, right? Hell. Because even when you make your bed in hell, he's there. That's the, you know what I'm saying? That's real hell right there. When, even when you're in hell, Jesus is there. <laughs> I love it. Even when you forgot who you are, even when you screwed up, you know. So I went down, I laid on my bed in, in my room, and I was just bawling, just crying, you know, making things worse, you know. And I, I, I just, uh, I can't do this. And the accusations began to fly. You grace teacher, look at you teaching all these people, you know, walking, you know, how you walk in love because you look to Jesus and, and look at you on your bed crying and you're not qualified to teach. And, you know, all these accusations start coming and then, then I, I'm just going to quit. You know, I'm not even going to go to Bible study. I can't go to Bible study. I'm calling them and canceling it right now. And I'm, I'm just going, this, all of these lies are raging in my mind and condemnation is just over me like a cl dark cloud, Right. Have you ever been there, somebody? Oh, good. Somebody can relate to me? Okay. And I can only remember three words in the moment. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And the sweet sound of correction. Woo! Larry! He drew me to himself. He drew me to himself. And I remember in that moment, I said, oh, Jesus, oh, Father, speak to my heart. I need you today. I'm feeling so bad and so guilty and so shamed. I need your help right now. And I remember the Holy Spirit reminded me of this powerful scripture in Colossians. It said that all of my failures, the law that was against me, the writing that was against me was nailed to the cross. And in nailing my failures, my sin to the cross, it says that Jesus silenced the accuser. He triumphed over the accuser by making Connie Witter faultless in the middle of her faults. By saying, I don't condemn you even when you just fought with your husband. I tell you what, woo, that sweet sound. See, he was, what was it? He was, that was the discipline, the correction of the Lord. Now, I know you probably have never heard that, but he was correcting me right there with my identity. He's saying, Connie, remember who you are. I nailed every accusation against you to the wall, to the, to the cross. And you are qualified and you are anointed to preach this gospel, not because of what you've done right and not disqualified because of what you've done wrong. You are qualified because you are one with the one who is qualified and anointed to preach this gospel. And I'm telling you what, I came up out of my bed of travail. I came up out of the bed of Sheol. You better watch out, devil. My daddy just told me the truth. He corrected me with his sweet sound, lifted the shame and condemnation off of me, and you better watch out. I'm going to Bible study today. Oh, yes, I am. And I'm going to tell everyone who comes that every time they fail, that their 
sins and failures have been nailed to the cross, silencing you, devil, you accuser. You have messed with the wrong woman today. So this woman, in a matter of 15 minutes, with the sweet sound of correction, came out strong. I went to Bible study that day. I told that story to all. They were all just like, whoo! I mean, this was fresh off, the, you know what I'm saying, when it's fresh. I mean, it was that morning, it was that fresh. They were all like, oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus, praise you. I mean, there was a Holy Ghost dancing going on in that Bible study that morning because they could see the power of the gospel. They could see the power of the sweet sound of correction. They could understand that when we fail, this is how our Father corrects us. This is how our Father deals with his beloved children. He reminds them who they are are and that every voice of condemnation and accusation has been nailed to the cross and you don't have to live under it anymore that is not who i am i am loving and kind and good because of jesus i'm one with the king of kings and so are you we're one with righteousness we're one with kindness we're one with compassion. We're, we're one with goodness. You know what that makes us? Good. It makes us kind. And when we don't act that way, we've just forgotten who we are. We just need to be reminded one more time. Amen? Amen. Is my time over? What does that say, 5034? Oh, come on. Okay. What'd you say? Oh, my goodness. Yes, you did. Okay. Then I'm just going to go just a little bit longer, okay? Mm -hmm. I got to read something to you. Are y'all bored? <laughs> Good. You wouldn't say, if you said yes, I would have had to run to my father and say, Lord. <laughs> Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 9. Listen to this. I love this passage of scripture. Woo. But his divine power, can you, can, can you put that up on the screen? Oh, Second uh, Peter 1, 3, 1, 3, verse 3, are you going to put that up? <laughs> can you guys see it? I want you to see this. There we go. Okay. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Coming to know him, that's what we're doing today. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of this, make every effort to respond. Oh, I love that to respond to God's promises. See, I'm going to stop for just a second. In that moment when I was on that bed of travail, when I was on that bed of shield, because I was underneath this dark cloud of condemnation, I had a choice whether or not to respond to God's promise to me. See, his promise to me was my sins have been nailed. Every accusing voice has been nailed to the cross and that I didn't have to live under that anymore. My identity was righteous and good, forgiven, and holy and justified. That was my identity. So we have that choice in the middle of our mistake to respond to God's promise. And the scripture says here, we just read it, that he's given us these promises, these promises of righteousness and qualification and justification and holiness so that we can escape the corruption, the moral corruption that's in the world and partake of his divine nature. Yes? Yes, we can, we can actually, actually when he corrected me that day, my heart was healed from the condemnation I was feeling. And that freed me to go and, and out of my heart apologize to my husband. Because you don't want to apologize when you're still justifying yourself because you still have condemnation. You're like, well, he did this. He needs to apologize to me, right? But when, you're, when the condemnation is gone, when you remember who you are, you're free to go apologize and say, you know what, honey, I'm sorry. That's not who I am. It's not who you are. And peace came. See, it, I, I was able to escape the corruption 
of division and, and resentment and unforgiveness and another pile of, you know what I'm saying? I was able to escape all of that by responding to my father's correction, which he did by his promise to me. Can you imagine that? He corrects you with his promise. That's how good he is. That's how good our father is. He, he corrects you with his promise. Hallelujah. You know what I'm afraid? Let's just say with my children, when I'm afraid, he's wanting to come and correct me by reminding me, Connie, I said I would rescue your kids. I said I would rescue them. I'm their savior, just like I'm your savior. I worked in you. I brought you out. I'm going to work in them. I'm going to bring them out. I began a good work, and I'm going to finish it. He's correcting my heart with his promises. Oh, this is amazing, isn't it? Wow. Okay, so in view of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, godliness, brotherly affection, and love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 9 is what I want to show you. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. This word right here, sins, is, is when you look up the word sin, it actually is an identity. It is actually a noun. It's a noun. It, it's an identity. It's not an action. Now, a noun produces an action, but the foundation of this word is a noun. So when we act badly, this scripture right here says, when we don't have love and brotherly affection and patience and virtue and moral excellence coming out in our lives, it's because we have forgotten that all of our sins have been washed away. We've forgotten that we're not a sinner. We're not a failure. We're not worthless. We've forgotten that. And we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Our Father's going to come and correct us. Did you see that in this verse? When these qualities that are who you are, you are morally excellent. Did you know that? You're not trying to be morally excellent. You are. You're not trying to walk in love. You are. You are loving. You are good. Why, I, why do I know that? Because you have the DNA of your father. You are one with him. You have his nature. You're not trying to get his nature. That's who you are. You are a child of the Most High God, and you have his nature. And when you remember that all of your sins have been forgiven, that you're no longer identified anymore by your failures, that's when the fruit of the Spirit begins to come forth in your life. When you don't allow the condemnation to hold you down by running to your daddy when you fail and letting him remind you of who you are, then peace and joy and love begin to spring forth, just like with my husband. See, there was no resentment. All gone. Not because I decided not to be resentful. It wasn't because I decided to forgive. It wasn't because I decided to do anything. It was because... I responded to what God said about me that day. I responded. I said, yes, Jesus, if you say that I am not identified by my failure, then I'm not identified by my failure. If you say I'm good, I'm good. If you say I'm lovely, I'm lovely. If you say there's nothing wrong with me, there's nothing wrong with me. If you say that, Lord, that's what's true about me. I grab hold of the identity that you have given me. For the scripture says that those who receive the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus. And another translation says those who receive God's gift of righteousness will triumph over sin and death through Jesus Christ. You're going to live above the accusations of the enemy that cause all the bad behavior to come out. Again, that bad behavior is not who you are. You're just having a case of mistaken identity, and the Father is drawing you to himself to remind you that you are his delightful child, to remind you that you haven't lost your identity, to remind you that you're still wonderful and good, to remind you to respond 
to what he says over you, to the promise you have in Christ. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And we respond to that yes by saying, amen, Lord. That's submitting to the correction of your father. I'm going to say it again. When the father is speaking his love songs over you, because the scripture says in Zephaniah 3.17, he's singing over you. He's singing songs of joy over you. He doesn't even mention your failure. He reminds you who you are. And when you submit to his correction, you say, yes, Lord, I am good because of Jesus. I am righteous because of Jesus. I just forgot for a moment, Lord, who I am. Thank you for reminding me, my good daddy. Thank you for reminding me. I'm going to run back here maybe again tomorrow to be reminded again. But you're going to be there to help me to remember so that I don't live in offense. I don't live in unforgiveness. I don't live in jealousy. I don't live in, right? I don't live in fear and anxiety. I don't live over here because this is not who I am. It's not who I am. It might have been what I did, but it's not who I am. And when you can separate those two, you'll live free. You will live free. Amen? And I'm going to end real quick with this last little thing. I'm going to tell the story real quick. In the Bible, two sons. Jesus told a perfect example of the Father's correction. And remember what I said? He doesn't remind us how bad we are. He reminds us who we are. He corrects the belief of our hearts. That's what he's doing when he's correcting us about our identity. Two sons. Do you remember the, that story? You might remember the prodigal son, but I call it the story of the father's love, the sweet sound of correction. It's the sweet sound of correction like you've never seen it before. Two sons. One decided to go get his identity out in the world. And you know what he did? He slept with prostitutes. He got drunk. He partied. Where did, it, where did he end up? In the pig pen. Now, was that the father's punishment? No, it wasn't. It was not the father's punishment. It was the son's choice to live outside of his father's identity. And he found himself in a mess. And many people in this world today, when they find themselves in a mess, think that's the father punishing them. But it's not the father, father punishing them. It was the belief of their heart that led him down a path of destruction. And the father is, is wanting us to not go down there, just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, I set before you life or death. Oh, that you would choose life. How do we choose life? By believing who we are in him. That's how we choose life. How do we choose death? By going outside of him to find our identity. And that's what the son had done. He'd went to the world to find his identity. He found himself in the pig pen. Now he's broke rejected, lost all his friends. And the Bible says he woke up. He needed to wake up, didn't he? Because he was lost in his identity. And he woke up and he said, my father and my father's house, the servants have it better than me. I'm going to go back and tell my father I'll just be his servant. I'll just work my way back into his grace. Right? We don't work our way back into any grace. Grace is unearned. But as the, as the son was coming from afar and the father seen the son coming, the, the scriptures say he actually lifted up his skirt. I mean, this was like a, a oh my gosh, I can't go into this. I'll be another hour here, so come on. I'll just tell you the heart of the story. <laughs> Anyhow, the father runs to that son, sees him from a distance. And the scripture says he goes and he embraces him. He, I just got to read out of the um, Passion Translation, just this one little encounter here. It's so beautiful. Okay. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized that he, what he was doing, and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? <laughs> I want to go back home <laughs> to my father's house. And I'll say to him, Father, 
I was wrong. I have sinned against you. So, so he's focusing on his sin, his failure. I was wrong. I, I sinned against you. I'm not worthy. He said, I'll never be worthy. I'll never be worthy. I'll never, you hear it? I'll never be worthy. Condemnation, shame, accusations were on top of that boy. Have you ever been there? Yes. Okay. I have too. Uh, please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. <laughs> That's what the translation says. Just, just treat me like an employee. I'll work for my wages. I'll work for your blessing. I'll work for your favor. I'll do it for the rest of my life. What did the father say? Did the father bring up his sin? Yeah, son. Look at the mess you made of yourself. If you wouldn't have done that, if you would have just listened to me, if you would have obeyed me, you wouldn't have found yourself in a pig pen. No, that's not what the father said. The father only had compassion. Listen to this. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart. Woo! He hadn't heard a word out of that son's mouth. And great compassion swelled up in his heart. That's your daddy. That's how your daddy feels about you when you fail. Great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over and over with tender love. Praise you, Jesus. This is the encounter with the father when you have failed, when you have messed up. This is the picture you have in your head of your father embracing you and kissing you over and over and over with a heart full of compassion. Woo! Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I would never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted him and, son, and said, Son, you're home now. Son, you're home now where you belong. <laughs> I love this story. You're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe of righteousness. Place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring. Seal the sonship. I will put it, and I will put it on his finger. Bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's pr prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, and now he's alive. Once he was lost, and now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. See, correction is a time of joy when you understand your good, good father. Because he doesn't remind you how bad you are. He reminds you how good you are. Now the other son, the self-righteous one, was mad and angry and judgmental towards the other one, right? And I'm just going to tell you, the father did the very same thing. He came out to that son, the self-righteous one, who was bound by religion, who had been in performance-based religion, trying to get his father's approval by what he did, and he was so angry and mad that his, that his brother over there who had, you know, uh, wasted his life was getting celebrated. He was so mad that he was getting celebrated in the middle of his mess. And the father came out to him and he said, my son, again, he didn't say anything about his behavior. He went right for identity. My son, don't you understand that everything I have belongs to you? Yeah. Don't you understand that you don't have to try hard to earn anything from me? Everything I have is already yours. Come celebrate your sonship with your brother. That was the sweet sound of correction. The Father correcting the belief of his heart. Thank you, Father. Ah, uh, we have a good, good daddy, don't we? He loves us so much. And we welcome his correction.
Come on, Lord, give me some more correction here. I want to be loved on today. Pour it on. Pour the compassion on, Jesus. Change me by your grace. Transform me by your love. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you, praise you, and thank you for this revelation that was come forth this morning, the understanding of your correction to us in the middle of our mistakes, in the middle of our failures. You are a good, good daddy that lifts the condemnation off of us, showers us with love and compassion, and empowers us to be who we really are, just like you in this world. 